Hello and welcome to this week's Innovation Forum Monday Briefing, a regular preview to what's coming up. I'm Ian Welsh. Innovation Forum will be back in Washington DC in the autumn for the next in our Future of Climate Action Conference series, with a big focus on how to get to grips with Scope 3 supply chain emissions. More on that to come later. First though, joining me to talk about some things to look out this week is Innovation Forum's B. Stevenson. Welcome to the Monday Briefing, B. Hi, Ian. Okay, so what's coming up this week? This week is the UN Human Rights Council's annual panel discussion on the adverse impacts of climate change on human rights. This is part of the 53rd session of the Human Rights Council, which has been going on since the 19th of June and will go on until the 14th of July. But every year they have this discussion on the adverse impacts of climate change on human rights. And this year it's focusing on the theme of the adverse impact of climate change on the full realisation of the right to food. Also focusing on the ways forward to address these challenges, as well as best practices and lessons learned. So the key objectives involve enhancing understanding of the impacts of climate change on the right to food, um, as well as climate change impacts on the food system, and highlighting the benefits of human rights-based climate action and a food system transition from industrialised agriculture towards agroecology, amongst other aims. Really interesting that they're going to be talking about the impact of the right to food and the impacts of people's not being able to get hold of food. What's the session going to involve? We'll have an opening statement from the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Mr. Volker Turk. What's really exciting is that there'll be a video with testimonies of climate change impacts on the right to food. So presumably people who really are experiencing these adverse impacts in the present day, likely in vulnerable countries and areas. And then there'll be a panel discussion from various representatives, including representatives from organisations, including the Committee on the Rights of the Child, the World Food Programme and the Centre for Indigenous Peoples Research and Development. So you can really see that they're trying to involve more marginalised voices, voices of those people who might be disproportionately impacted by this issue. This is something we've been talking about quite a lot at our events over the spring. Perhaps summarise first, why is this such a key issue? The IPCC has found that climate change will lead to increasing pressure on food production and access, as we well know, and which we've been talking about at our conferences, particularly in vulnerable regions, and it will really undermine food security and nutrition world over eventually. Climate change impacts the four components of the right to food, which are physical accessibility, availability, adequacy and sustainability. As I've said, those hardest hit will include indigenous peoples, small scale food producers, so the smallholder farmers that we discuss so often, and low income households, particularly in developing countries. It will really impact both their kind of lives and their livelihoods, as often these people are relying on agriculture and subsistence farming, herding, fishing, hunting. And then just in terms of wider issues, the food system itself is contributing to climate change through greenhouse gas emissions. That's also therefore contributing to environmental degradation, water depletion, many other issues, which lead to loss of lives and livelihoods and therefore threaten the enjoyment of this of human rights generally and of course of the right to food. As we get into July, what's coming up through the month? Plastic free July has begun. This is a global movement originating in Australia that helps millions of people be part of the solution to plastic pollution. And it's run by the Plastic Free July Foundation now that works year round. Apparently, the movement has inspired over 120 million participants in 177 countries. And essentially, they provide resources and ideas to help you reduce single use plastic waste every day at home, work, school and in kind of local establishments. If you go to their website, you can have ideas on things ranging from how to not buy new coffee cups every day to how to not buy plastic bathroom products and how to shop 
without plastic as much. And the idea is to get people to boycott single-use plastics for a month with a view to creating lasting habits. I looked up how long habit formation usually takes. It's about 60 to 70 days. So if you could last into August, you really would change your habits around this. And they also work at the business level, so helping companies to remove plastics from their packaging and supply chains, for instance, or helping food service organizations to remove plastic. And ultimately, they act as a means of creating a collective public voice with a lot of people behind the movement so that they can influence policy development. Sounds very exciting. That's a lot of people involved and a great idea. Does it work? I had a look at their 2022 impact reports to answer that question. An estimated 140 million people took part in Plastic Free July in 2022 from 195 countries. And the report said that over the 12 years of Plastic Free July, participants have accumulated 294 million behaviour changes and 88% of participants had made at least one lasting change. So whether that's not using plastic bags every day, something as small as that can make a big difference. They also said that participants reduced their waste and recycling across the last few years by 18 kilograms per person per year. And they said that participants in the movement are ahead of the global trend because they're 21% more likely to adopt plastic waste avoidance behaviours after they've done it. So in conclusion, I think it does work and people should get involved and so should businesses. I'll do my best, B. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ian. As I mentioned, Innovation Forum will be in Washington, D.C. on the 8th and 9th of November for the next in our Future Climate Action Conference series. To find out how the event is shaping up, I spoke last week with Innovation Forum's Emily Heslop. Welcome to the Monday Briefing, Emily. Thanks for having me, Ian. Let's talk a bit about the event that's coming up in November. What are the themes for this year? This year, we're really looking at the practical action business can take to tackle their scope three emissions. And within that, we've chosen four key themes and key areas we're going to be looking at across the two days of the event. Looking at going beyond climate targets to actually implementing on the ground work. With us being just seven years away from 2030, looking at what does that realistic roadmap to net zero look like in terms of short term goals and interim targets? And then the second key theme is looking at obviously high emitting sector, so forest, land use and agriculture, exploring the latest frameworks and flag guidance that will impact business strategy and action on climate. And within this, we're going to be having specific case studies to touch on opportunities for business to drive positive impact and action on the ground, whether that's through nature based solutions or other regenerative practices. Third key theme is looking at supplier engagement naturally makes sense within talking about scope three. So the best practice and leading company approaches to engage and incentivize your suppliers on those emission reductions journeys. And how do we make sure we're really working with suppliers on this? And then finally, under the umbrella of all of these key areas, looking at that data, technology and innovation, the latest tools and technologies that can drive low carbon sourcing and business model evolution that is driving net zero. And within this key theme, really looking at who pays for this. So how do we effectively collaborate to share that cost of innovation? There's some really key and interesting points there. There are so many initiatives and tools and innovation around. What's really important thing is that we are going to cut through to the key action points that are really important. That's a really exciting part of the event. Who do you think is most suited for this event? Who, who should be coming to this event? 
The event itself will be bringing together an expert group of probably between 150 and 200 cross-industry practitioners. That's a key element that we're going to be touching on a number of different challenges across different industries. And the attendees will range from corporates to NGOs, suppliers, traders, investors, government bodies, and any other relevant organizations who have made these commitments. Typically, we'll have different stakeholders who are involved in defining, planning, and actually really implementing on the ground climate action within business. And in terms of seniority level, they'll range from senior management all the way up to C-suite level of executives from a range of different business functions. So we'll have sustainability, supply chain, procurement, corporate communication functions all represented in the room. Okay, who's already confirmed to attend then? We've got a number of great speakers already confirmed. So just to name a couple, we've got Kevin Rabinovich, the Global Vice President of Sustainability and Chief Climate Officer at Mars. We've got Michelle Zollinger, Global Sustainability Sourcing for Pulp and Paper, the Climate Forest Lead at Nestle. Pankaj Bhatia, Deputy Director of Climate Programme and Global Director of the Greenhouse Gas Protocol for World Resources Institute. And Vanessa De La Osa, the Vice President of Sustainable Finance, America's ING. And then we've got a number of other amazing speakers from a range of organizations, including WWF, Environmental Defense Fund, Pirelli Tire, International Platform for Insetting. But we're still on the search for new speakers. So if anyone who's listening is interested and have some really practical learnings and key takeaways they want to share with the audience, do get in touch. Send me an email at emily.heslop at innovationforum.co.uk. All the information's on the Innovation Forum website as ever. Yes, we're still looking for more expert speakers. How else can our listeners get involved? We're looking for speakers. We're also on the hunt for some sponsors who are interested in supporting the conference as well, so they can contact my colleague Anita, whose email is also on the conference website. If anyone is interested in attending and purchasing a ticket to join us as a delegate to learn from the wealth of experience in the room across the two days, they can do so and register on the conference website now. We have a discount currently as an early bird discount of $500. So if people want to register, we'd highly recommend registering and securing your spot before Friday the 7th of July. And equally, alongside that, we would want to highlight that we're running a number of different tracks across the two days. So we would recommend that you join as a group so that you don't miss anything across the different tracks and we can offer group discounts. So do reach out if a number of you from one organisation are interested in attending. But just a reminder, deadline of the 7th of July, save $500 on passes. Emily, I'm looking forward to the event very much. Thanks, Ian. We'll be back later in the week with the usual podcast on Thursday. However, that's it for now. Have a great week and goodbye.